Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Roker Report podcast in association with the Sunderland Community Soup Kitchen. It's Gav back again to preview yet another Sunderland fixture and this is one I haven't been looking forward to uh, for obvious reasons. It's a game against Wigan Athletic, the team currently vying for the top two spots, uh, currently sat second place in League One in a position we'd love to be in and I'm sure my guests join me today is going to enjoy telling Sunderland fans all about how great everything is at Wigan at the minute. Uh, I'm joined by Chris Marsh from the Pie at Night podcast. Hiya, Chris. Hiya, good evening. So how's things then? Because when we last spoke to you, you spoke to Chris earlier in the season, uh, our Chris that is, and that was just before the first game of the season. Uh, Both sets of fans at the time were full of hope and optimism about what was going to happen as the season progressed. Uh, Then, obviously, we played in in the League Cup, which... To be honest, I'd forgetting about until I looked it up, so I don't really count that game. Um, but yeah. since the start of the season, things have progressed slightly differently for both teams. I mean, like I said, Wigan currently sat second in the table, Sunderland dropping away uh, faster and faster as each game goes by. But it's fair to say you're probably very happy with think- how things are going at Wigan at the minute. Over the moon with sort of results in league position, definitely. There's um... Some slight grumbling at times around style of football and other bits and pieces. Um, Half time or whatever throughout some of the game last night against Wickham when we were losing one nil. There was, I always say, take it with a pinch of salt because people do react, overreact. I suppose is probably a better word to different bits and pieces. There's there's some people not happy with what's deemed a direct style of play, but mm. I guess it's worked. It's got results and and it's not it's not as direct as people think. I think I alluded on the podcast I did earlier on in the season. I think it was a, it was a podcast I did with an Ipswich because Paul Cook had just got sacked at Ipswich when I did it before we played them. Mm. It was a sort of a comparison between Cook and Richardson. And when Cook first signed Kiefer Moore, who's now at Cardiff, we seemed to play like long ball up to him all the time. And it took a little while to number one get like the players get used to playing it that way, but also. For Cook to realise that for all of all intents and purposes, as much as Kiefer Moore was six foot five and a decent target man, he was good with his feet and if you played the ball into him, he could hold it up and we could play off him that way. And I think Richardson 
Earlier on in the season, obviously, we had Charlie Wyke, and it was the same sort of thing. We were playing long ball up to Wyke and playing off him. But again, over time, but Richardson, I think, learned a lot quicker than Cook did with Moore. With with Wyke, he can play up to feet, and he can hold it up, and he can bring people in around him. So, yeah, Wyke was a big loss. We've sort of asked questions around... Would we be further on than we are now? I know that sounds daft when we're sitting in second and we're two games in hand on Rotherham who are top and two games or four games in hand on whoever's in third or three or four games in hand on whoever's in third and there's a decent cushion there. Would we be better off if White hadn't have got injured the way he did and been out? Because as much as it took him five or six games to get his first goal, it clicked and we were playing really, really well as a team. We were playing better as a team and I think... What happened with Wyke? Understandably, the players were shocked just over the whole incident, but then having to adapt to trying to play a different way. And, and then we lost Cousins in midfield, who was out for a, a long period, came back and he only played two games and, and was then reeled out for the rest of the season. So we've had a lot of personnel changes. I don't think any of us expected us up there where we are now. After the rebuild job in the summer and the fact that it was a completely new team, and I think we had something like four or five players going into the start of the summer signed on. So it was a complete mm. rebuild job. And for us to be where we are is sort of beyond wildest dreams. A lot of us thought, well, if we're still in with a shout of chasing that final playoff spot going into the last two months of the season, that, that'll do for us. But to be where we are and in with a chance of going up or looking more, more and more likely as the weeks go by that we will go up automatic, we're over the moon, really. Well, understandably so as well. I think a lot of I think a lot of Sunderland fans have been, I don't know if the word's impressed, maybe quietly impressed, but sort of ticked off mainly when um we were actually competing for the same position in the table yeah, yeah, but yeah. sort of annoyed by just how good Wigan are at scoring late goals and getting games won yeah. because what we've seen this season from from our team is that we just can't get the job done most of the time and we don't have it mm. in us when we go behind in games to rescue the result and win it and you you mentioned the Wigan game in midweek same situation yet again you go a goal behind and then uh, with 20 minutes to go, you score three goals. But, you know, just before that nail goal in the 70th minute, how were you feeling about your prospects of winning the game? Because like I say, I, I can't imagine you were expecting that you would go on to score three, even despite the fact that you've done it so many times this season. Wouldn't have expected three, but you always have that feeling. The other week at Rotherham, even though we were 1-0 up, it was sort of the reverse. We were in the away end at Rotherham. There's a period of about 15, 20 minutes before they scored, sort of tail end of the first half and sort of early into the second half before they scored, it was a feeling of if they get one, they could quite easily get two or three here and, and we'll end up losing. So we always have that feeling about Wigan. If we get one, there's more than likely we'll get another. What what has impressed is, like you say, the attitude. We score late goals because they never, ever stop. They don't give up. They keep running. McLean, James McLean is a machine. I don't... Lang's another one. They just those two wide players up front just keep going and keep going and keep going. And and the other thing we've got is I would say strength and depth in that like White got out got was out injured and we signed McGuinness. And as much as he's not scored, it's a similar situation. He sort of bullies centre halves for sixty minutes and ties them out. And then we bring Humphreys on who changes the style of play a little bit. They're not used to us sort of playing between the lines, him and Keane drop off and, and drop into that space between the two banks of four or whatever. And um, and we just seem to be able to, to score two or three goals. Turn it it's it's not that we're long ball for like an hour and then turn into a footballing team, but we do sort of play slightly differently. And Humphreys comes on and it's a bit flat track bully because he's quick and, and when centre halves are tired, that's where we're doing it. We've 
had a real problem in recent weeks doing anything at all. So, I mean, mm-hmm. you, you, I, I, that's what I'm really worried about going into this game is just we've dropped a lot of points to really bad teams recently. And I know, okay, it looks like a decent point in the end against Burton. I mean, it sounds stupid saying that when you're playing Burton Albion at home, you, you know, if you're going for a promotion, ideally you would win that game. But, you know, for us to get a, po- a point right at the death, People might look at it and think, well, Sunderland, they've got a bit of fight in them, you know, to come back and, and get a point from that game. But it just hasn't been the case. And unfortunately, I'm re- I'm not looking forward to this game at the weekend, if I'm honest. I think the majority of people listening to this will sympathise with what I'm saying in that it, we, we, are, we are just so vulnerable at the minute. Mm. Where do you see this game being won then? In your, because obviously you've got, there's a lot of quality in your team, but there's also a lot of fight. Is it that that'll tell, do you think? Or, I mean, I'm, I'm just trying to work out, does Sunderland even have half a chance in this game? The thing with Sunderland, for me, looking on from afar, and it's particularly away from home, you tend to, if you concede early, you, there's been so many games where you've capitulated and conceded yeah. two, three, four, like five or whatever it yeah. was at Bolton, six, six at Bolton six. the other week. If we, <laughs> if we score early, yeah, if we score early, and it's only like... Obviously, observing from afar, I don't know whether it's your heads drop or what, but you just seem to capitulate and it's like you're all at sea. Whereas we conceded the other night at Wickham and at no point did it ever look like... And, and it, it's not a direct comparison between the teams, but I just think it's almost like, a yeah, well, we've been here before. We just keep playing our way and eventually it'll come good. And, and if we get one, we'll get two. Or if we get one, we make sure we don't concede another. And Wickham had some decent chances, even after they'd scored... <laughs> I think I think that'll be part of it. If we get at you and we score early, whether we can turn the screw, whether your heads will drop, whether you think right, we're in for another hiding here, and the fact that there'll be five thousand of your lot behind that goal, it'll perhaps not necessarily all go quiet, but it it won't help the fact that if we score early, I I don't know in terms of whether you'll be on their backs as such, but I don't think it will help at all. Whereas mm. we, the thing I would say is I can't remember the last time we kept a clean sheet. That I'd have to really think to think back to when we kept a clean sheet. Whereas earlier on in the season, we were much more defensively sound. We were keeping clean sheets. And I think that's the major difference between us and Rotherham. It wasn't actually that long ago, by the way. It was it was uh, <laughs> crew last week. Oh, was it? Oh, was yeah. it? <laughs> oh, well, then. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, it seems for a long time that we've, we've been conceding. And you might say, oh, well, if you concede in one but you score in three, you're all right. But it ultimately makes the game a lot more difficult if you concede that first goal, or even yeah, if, yeah. if even if you one nil up and you concede, it just it changes the complexion of things, and it, it requires that a bit more effort. I guess there's the mental side of things, and obviously we've had, we had that many games cancelled in December that we're now playing Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday. Yeah. Do you see that as a as a hindrance or a positive that you've got those games in hand? Because I'm I'm just looking at the league table now. You you're six points behind Rotherham. They've got a far better goal difference, but you have the yeah. two games in hand on them. And the teams below you in the table, I mean, MK Dons, Oxford have both played 34. Plymouth have played just one more, but then we've played 34 as well. So you've got like a buffer around the teams below you and then above you is Rotherham, six points. Is that a good thing or mm. a bad thing? It can work both ways because obviously the training will be light in between. But obviously the other side of it is... And, and obviously, match fit wise, players always say they'd rather play games, wouldn't they? They, they want to play and they want to get the next. If you get a bad result, get the next game out of the way. Yeah, and obviously, yeah, yeah. you only get match fit by playing at the intensity level of playing in a match. 
But the other side of it, I would suggest, is that we signed quite a few players in January who I would say the week the week gap between games, if you're only playing Saturday, 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 you've got a full week on the training ground to integrate them, to play, to work on formations, to work on systems, to work, you know what I mean? And, and I think if you're playing Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, you're not getting that longevity on the training ground of a Monday to Friday training sessions to be working yeah. on that. You, you're obviously you're coming off the back of a game on Saturday. Sunday you'll be a rest day. Monday you'll be looking at what your tactics are for Tuesday night, and then you're back in that cycle again between between a Tuesday and a Saturday of Wednesday being a light rest day. Oh look, we're starting to prepare for Saturday, and we're not actually looking at integrating those players. And I think that the lad we signed from Scotland, Jamie McGrath, who we signed from St Mirren, played a couple of games and then got injured. Shinny, we got from Derby, played three or four games. I don't know whether he's injured at the minute, but he's not. He's not been in the team for a few games now. And I don't know whether it's Richardson was trying to integrate them by playing them in matches or whether we've actually got the opportunity to, to do it on the training ground. But they're all good. Yeah. Like Shinny especially, he's done it at Derby in the Championship for years. So if we go up, he's already there ready for that level. And I think that's part of it. We've built a team similar to what we did in years gone by when we were both in the same division and you won the league and we finished second and went up. Yeah, was signing players that you know will be more than adequate for the division above, so that when you do yeah. go up, it's not again that sort of wholesale changes or or you're not lacking in quality or or experience or what have you. Yeah, you've got plenty of goals in the team though. You've got plenty. I'm yeah. looking. I'm looking at the top scorer charts. Will Keane's on fifteen. Callum Lang's on fifteen. James McLean next on and player there seven. Stephen yeah, Humphreys yeah. five. You know. Then you look right through the. T- I mean, you've got a number of players who've scored. A couple of goals at least. You got Max Powell yeah. with eight assists, which surprises us a little bit because he wasn't exactly an assist maker when he played for us. But it it's a it, it looks as though from the outside anyhow that we're gonna have got a real sort of team rather than a, a side yeah, yeah. which is being propped up by individuals. And that is it. That is a good thing in that the, like you say they are spread around the team. Will Keane was out injured and we suffered a little bit, but then other players stepped up and, and like, centre-half tilt has chucked him with a couple and, like you say, McLean's got seven from a wide position and, yeah, the goals are spread around the team. Lang is the one, I think, who not necessarily over-exceeded expectations because we did know how good he was, but um, the fact that he's doing it week in, week out is absolutely brilliant and he's another one never mm. stops running always trying to sniff out a chance not from, from the academy isn't he is he from the academy yeah yeah so yeah. he was we get a lot of cast-offs from Everton and Liverpool uh, <laughs> academies they get well they get released from there and obviously we're in the local area and, and we pick them up from their academies so yeah. he's uh, as much as, as the fans might sing he's one of our own he's definitely not got a Wigan accent <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, he came through the academy. I can't, can't remember what age he joined us, but he he'd been out on a few loan spells, a couple of spells at Motherwell, and ironically, got shipped out to Motherwell at the start of the transfer window, just after we'd gone into administration at the end of that championship season. And him being out there on loan at Motherwell is probably what saved him because he'd have got sold. He'd have been yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Any, anything that wasn't screwed down was sold. The likes of Geldart and some of the other lads out the academy got sold. So he went off to Motherwell and he was there from August to like what, from July to January and then we and then he got recalled and he was with us then when the new owners bought us in March. And uh, a lot of the time it was like we saw he was scoring up at Motherwell and we were struggling. We were bottling the table, mm. struggling to survive and, and a lot of fans were thinking, why why are we send him out on loan? 
but really it turned out to be a really shrewd move because he didn't get sold and uh, he was in and out of the team in patches and then took his chance and he's playing in that sort of wide right he's not really a winger but we play with three up front and he sort of cuts in from the right hand side certainly scoring plenty and providing and you talked mm. about Max Power there providing plenty of assists he's played right back and sort of the right hand side of midfield for quite a bit of the season see I would I would never I would never have I would never have guessed he was a wide right midfielder just no ne- never never had thought he had it in him he's not really but then we've had it in the past when early days of championship where he was playing on the right hand side of a three in midfield mm. with the wing backs and it was Nathan Byrne who's now at Derby was bombing on beyond him he would tuck in slightly and, and play the ball in between the centre half and the full back and Nathan Byrne who was the wing back would bomb on across the ball but he's he's doing alright it's, it's him and Will Keane and his, his set piece delivery that seems to be doing it Will Keane's scoring quite a few headers, near post headers. Max is whipping the ball in and Will Keane's beating the man and scoring with his head. But yeah, it's It's interesting right. to me. Yeah, it's interesting to me because like I say, he was hit and miss at Sunderland and I think when he yeah. left in the summer, a lot of fans weren't particularly bothered. And that, that's not yeah, to put yeah. a... Because he never did... I don't think he did anything particularly wrong really for Sunderland. He was committed and... You know, he he played a lot of games for us, and and quite a lot of them, to be fair, were at right back as well as in the middle. Yeah. But I don't think anybody really felt in the summer like he would be a miss. Yet when you no. when I look back, when I look with hindsight now, and I see how we're suffering from just a lack of leadership, really, uh, yeah. I do wonder. You know, would we have benefited from him in the team? And I think his numbers at Wigan have probably proven a lot of us wrong, uh, and me included, that he he still does have something to offer at, at this level. It's a strange one though because it's players and clubs in it and sometimes they fit and sometimes they don't and maybe the max power that we've got at Wigan you'd never have seen that max power at Sunderland and just yeah. him being here back in Wigan he liked it being here he, he can obviously live back over Liverpool way and travel in and back near his family and stuff like that you don't know what sort of goes on behind the scenes and that and, yeah that, and that's a really good point yeah. yeah, this is what sort of I I am loath to criticise managers for team selections and other bits and pieces because there's all sorts of goes on on training grounds and people are carrying niggles that you never get to hear about and people are calling for the manager because he's not started somebody and it's like well he obviously knows more than us and he's getting paid to do it so <laughs> but yeah I'm not it's it's a strange one Max Power might at Wigan might not be the same Max Power you ever got at Sunderland it's just one of those things isn't it yeah. You mentioned Charlie White earlier as well, and I know it's been mm. quite a while now since he played. But I mean, for anybody listening who isn't quite up on what's going on with Charlie, do you have any idea what's going on there? Is he is he likely to play well, again? We don't know. I suppose the situation with Ericsson going in at Brentford gives yeah. some sort of level of hope because what happened with Charlie and what happened with Christian Ericsson was pretty much carbon copy, and I believe he's had the same sort of device fitted, whatever whatever it is called it. Ericsson's outfitted to start his heart should it happen again. The other thing that I would say this season with Wigan, they've been very quiet on injuries. So players have been out injured and they've never, like the local journalist has been asking in press conferences, like, have you any idea how such a body's out for? And they just say, oh, we don't know, we're still assessing it. And then he's in the team or he's on the bench Saturday in the, in the Thursday press conference. They've sort of made out that, like, oh, he's still out injured. So they're keeping all that sort of stuff very close to the chests. I can't see him playing again this season. A lot of us think perhaps, I guess, the situation, like I say, the situation with Ericsson might be a bit of a a Philip in that he might be able to, to make some sort of comeback. But when it happened, we were all thinking, oh, well, that's it. He, he'll never play again. Purely because I think it's probably very hard to get insurance. 
yeah. for them to play. But he's posted a couple of bits on his Instagram where it looked like he was out jogging. So that's a start. Yeah, but well, I would like to see him come back. He done like again another player who, despite the fact he scored so many goals last season, a lot of fans yeah. weren't particularly bothered to see the back of him because they didn't feel as though Charlie's way of playing really suited us. And in mm. fairness, the his replacement was signed last January in Ross Stewart, and he's he's been tremendous. So you know mm. we haven't really suffered from not having him here, but. I think it's fair to say he's a loss because he does score goals. It's quite frankly, it's a it's a credit to Wigan's manager that you think about it, if White had, what had happened not happened to him, it's very yeah. likely he played the majority of games. And you know he's found an, he's found a way around that, hasn't he? He's found a way around that in terms of getting Callum Lang and Will Keane scoring goals, where yeah. Charlie probably would have picked up the lion's share of that responsibility. Yeah. I think, like earlier, I alluded to it. Like, if he hadn't have got injured, maybe we'd be we'd be better off than what we were before we signed McGuinness in January. In that period from from White being out to signing McGuinness, I think there were times when we missed him. I think the thing with White is sort of he can look like a bit like a lazy footballer, like he's not doing anything. But yeah. then a lot of his play, I think, depends on service. And if he's not getting it, then and he's not scoring. Like what was happening early on, there was a few times early on in the season where. The winger would go through and he'd be sort of crying out for it in the six yard box and then they'd cut inside and shoot themselves and, and he wouldn't he wasn't actually getting a ball, whereas if they'd have squared it to him, he'd have had a tap and he'd have scored about four or five games before he did. And it was always that feeling of if he just needs one to get off the mark and mm. and then he'll be he'll do alright. And he did, he scored a few in mm. succession. But yeah, we it is a credit in that we sort of got round playing without him. We signed McGuinness in January. Although he's not scored yet, it, it seems a similar situation to Wyke in that he's bullying centre halves and that. And this is we come into our own in the last twenty minutes, half hour of a game where centre halves have been battered and bruised by a, a bulldozer up front and the, and the quicker, classier football players, the likes of Humphreys, Gwian Edwards can come on and score the goals. So the game then we haven't really talked talked about it very much. No. We, we <laughs> like I say need need this win probably. I would argue more than we can do, although we're going to need to keep winning games. So it's going to be, I would say, tense. But ultimately, yeah. you are the team going into this in better form. We've got a lot of fans coming to the game, which is, ugh, we have a lot of fans going to every game and it doesn't seem to make mm. a difference really to our results. So I'm not going to say it puts more pressure on the on the Wigan players to perform because Sunderland have brought loads of fans along with them. But for different reasons, really, it's a... It's a massive game, isn't it? And I'm like I said before, I'm worried just about how we go in. I mean, our form's shocking. You are doing very well. They're going to sniff blood. They're going to want it more than us. But do you see Wigan turning up? Do you see them getting the job done on this occasion? I hope so. Jermaine Defoe worries me because he's not scored and he's got a good record against us. <laughs> and uh, for all intents and purposes of him being a Sunderland legend, if it's true that he tripped into the crowdfunder to the extent that he did, and it, and it was my tweet, by the way, that was pestering him. But if it's true that he tripped into the crowdfunder when we went into administration, then I think he'll get a good reception from Wigan fans regardless. Mm. Like I said earlier, I think it depends on which Sunderland turn up because you've been hit and miss and whether we can score early. You've got 5,000 or whatever it is coming down to the game. We've had this scheme where we're giving away free tickets to try and fill the ground and I think possibly counteract the fact that you've got 5,000 coming down. And I also think perhaps... A few weeks ago, it looked like it might have been a, a closer thing than, than what it is now, purely because of your drop-off in form. But it did look like mm. 
it would have been us and yourselves sort of fighting it out for that second position perhaps the importance of it from our point of view perhaps quite isn't there because we've got those games in hand as a buffer and, and obviously yeah. the gap in the, the slight gap in points now I'm interested to see how many of the free tickets that we've given away actually result in a bum on a seat again that right. can yeah can either go in our favour or go against us because if we've got a big crowd in the home end, it could well be that if we do score early and we get on top, then then that might help. But if we've got a load of day trippers there that are literally coming to see us win and we end up going goal behind and there's a bit of grumbling in the stands, it that might not help either. It's one I'd, I I don't think yeah. I can call it. I don't, really don't think I can call it. So don't ask me for a prediction. <laughs> I think perhaps we can. We, I, we, we've certainly got it capable in us to win. Depends on yeah. which Sunderland turn up. Well, that's it. Yeah, we've we've actually battered a lot of good teams this season, but it was that long ago that it doesn't seem relevant anymore. Yeah. Where, you know, and, and the thing is, is, regardless of how bad our form is, we know we've got quality players. Like, you see some of the players we brought off, we, yeah. we just had on the bench against Burton the other night, and you think, God, if you could get them playing and you could get them motivated and confident they would they would beat any team in this league but the problem is is that yeah. time's running out some really bad decisions have been made by people off the pitch in terms of the timing of the sacking of the manager and how the last day of the transfer mm-hmm. window went and all these things are adding up and ultimately it's difficult to see how Alex Neil really puts his stamp on this and we've yeah. been saying for the last three four five games we've got to win the next game we've got to win the next game we were saying Tuesday night was a must-win game. We didn't win it. So, mm. I mean, th- this is a must-win game, but I think people are getting bored of seeing it. So, I don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing from our perspective. Is the pressure less on us now? Because we're going to, uh, so far, ahead. I mean, 10 points ahead of us now on the table with three games in hand. We aren't in the same competition anymore, in my eyes. It's going to take a Sunderland-style drop-off um, from Wigan to... Mm. To really, you know, see us back in that mix, and I don't see it happening. So, but at the same time, like I've just said, we've got good players. If they somehow find their confidence again, then we could sneak a win. And maybe being away from the stadium light might help on this occasion. I don't know, but I'm 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 with you. I just don't know which way this game's going to go. It's so um so difficult to call sometimes when you're coming up against other good. I mean, I'm I'm heartened by the fact that you've just said that you can't call it because I was expecting you to be a lot more confident. But maybe on the day, maybe on the day you'll feel a bit more confident about your chances. Yeah. The thing is, and if you look at our results, we've been sort of flat track bullies against a lot of the teams, probably seventh, eighth in the table and below. But our record against the teams in those top, what I would consider the top eight teams in the league, hmm. isn't, isn't great. We've lost to Wednesday twice. We beat Rotherham at home. Uh, only by one goal margin earlier on in the season, like quite early on in the season, and that was a very a very even game, and and sort of felt like we'd we'd stolen three points there. And then there's there's games against Oxford where we've drawn, but then in reality we should have played them before Christmas, and they they pulled a fast one with COVID on the Friday when the game was on the Saturday, and other bits and pieces. But our record against those teams in the top half isn't great. We dropped points at home to Wickham, and although we came back and beat them the other night, they're on a bad run of form at the minute. So is that really a, a, a sort of a yardstick? But we haven't we haven't sort of not not played well, but not really got decent results against overall against those top seven or eight teams in the league. So that's why sort of I, I have this sort of 
slight apprehension because as much as our results are good and our position in the table's good, there's been games where decent footballing sides have not necessarily battered us, but they've been more than a match and we've we've sort of struggled. I don't think we played too bad the other week at Chef Wednesday, to be honest, and lost to a penalty that was never a penalty, but then didn't really look like scoring to get back into it. There has been certain games and teams where they've absolutely controlled midfield and uh, we've not really got a sniff or not really had what I would consider decent chances, but can't complain. <laughs> you know what I mean? We're sitting here saying this, but cannot complain at all yeah. based on where we are, the fact that we've got games in hand, the fact that we've got that cushion to those teams in the playoffs. And uh, at the start of the season, literally, if you'd, if you'd have asked us, I'd have snatched your arm off up to your elbow, never mind, just your hand. <laughs> well, I would swap you right now for your place on the table. So, yeah, don't, yeah, yeah. don't grumble too much at it. But I uh, no. appreciate your time. I think after Saturday, I might wish you luck for the rest of the season because I don't think we're in the race for those <laughs> top two spots anymore. We're nowhere near. No. Um, so, yeah, wish you luck for your pursuit of the top of the table. I think, to be fair, you've had some rebuild and to even be in the mix yeah. is admirable. So if I'm going to give Wigan any credit, it would be for that because we make excuses all the time and talk about plans and philosophy and the turnover and the churn at Sunderland. Well, nobody's had it worse than Wigan in this league in the last few years and fair play that you're even competing at the top. If you can do us a favour and keep bolting out the playoffs, I'll do <laughs> us because the way they're well, playing at the minute, I could see them, if they're finishing the playoffs, I could see them winning the bloody thing <laughs> and that's the last thing we want. Well, I don't I don't know if we're going to be able to do you many favours in that regard considering the, the fact they beat us there. Uh, by six goals to nil, we they're sort of like yeah. our bully now. So I don't think it's gonna. Be, we can try our best. We can try our best to keep them out, but I'm not. I'm not too confident. I'll <laughs> yeah. I'll be honest with you. I'll be over the moon if we're even in the top six. So yeah, that's how bad <laughs> things have got for us in the space of about six weeks. But yeah, cheers, Chris. Thanks for joining us, mate. Appreciate your time. No problem. Thanks for having me. No problem, mate. And uh, thanks everyone for for joining us. Yeah, we're going to be back after the game with the reaction pod and on RoteReport.com with all your bits and pieces uh, before and after the match. But yes, we'll catch you later. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.